As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, what's up? Welcome back. Spin Rate, the Athletic Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice. We are back again after an extended hiatus, but couldn't be more excited. Well, we could be more excited. There are many reasons that could bring us back other than we're checking in. <laughs> My name is Drew. As I said, I am the co-host of this show, Spin Rate on the Athletic, and I am joined, as always, by the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays writer, reporter, Coverage columnist Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good. Nice to see you again. Nice, nice to, to see you again. again. Take talk again. Steal you away from your <laughs> precious muse of curling. But in this, in instead, we will turn the our attention back to baseball. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been a while. There's not been a lot to talk about due to the ongoing lockout. The owners, of course, locked the players out. And what was that date? December 1st. December 2nd. And said, sorry, 2nd? Yeah. December 2nd, uh, in a preemptive maneuver that I guess is their attempt to to access their leverage, uh, rather than the players striking if were they to operate without a deal. But not not a lot of progress has been made. There have been some negotiations. There's been some talking. There's been some very public uh, negotiations in in the Court of Public Appeal. But doesn't seem like we're any closer today when I believe most clubs would be opening their spring training camps in Arizona and Florida. But they are not. Players are working out on their own, presumably. Minor leaguers are getting ready to do their thing. Minor league transactions are happening from time to time and place to place. But nothing on the major league front. Before we get any further into it, I, of course, want to say thank you to everyone who has been listening, who has stuck with us, who has come back, who has seen this show up in your feed and said I'm excited to listen to a new episode of Spin Rate. If you aren't one of them, I recommend that you do that, which is to get this show in your feed by subscribing to Spin Rate, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you do it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or Podbean, any of those places, hook it up so that when we do come back, and we will be coming back more and more frequently as the season, well, as the time marches on, season or otherwise, <laughs> make sure you subscribe, get what you need. From us. The other thing I'm going to encourage you to do, of course, is subscribe to The Athletic 
if you haven't already. You need to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate. Sign up. Get all the latest from the Ken Rosenthal's of the world as they break down the current situation um, in, a, in a way that I think is fair. Okay, I, I think Ken Rosenthal has done a, a good job, which I wish I could say for more of maybe Ken's uh, vintage of national reporters. A lot of guys not covering themselves in gl- glory these days, which is a real shame. Uh, it is a it is the the way that this lockout is covered has really shined a light into places that I, that it that deserves light deserves to be shined. Um, especially as when you look into the larger world, there's a lot of there's a real big difference between good faith and bad faith negotiations people saying or doing things in what they what they present as a good faith arg- uh, argument and present as a good faith negotiation but it's really not it's a bad faith or, uh, negotiation it's not seeking to find uh, a solution not seeking to find a remedy to the problem as it is presented and i think that we need to call that stuff out when we see it we don't need to treat everything equally There's, we don't need to say both sides often have equal vantage points or or are approaching things from an equal perspective um there are things that are true and there are things that are not true there are things that people wish were true and then they can act as though they are true but that doesn't make them true it doesn't make them valid it doesn't make what they're trying to say worth hearing a lot of the time so if, as i've said before all that subscribe to the athletic and then come back and we can talk like I think I've said my piece. I don't know, Caitlin, I, I, you and I talked a little bit about this before. I think a lot of us are pretty kind of bummed out and burned out on like a labor talk. And it's just the, the lack of progress. And for me, the lack of, well, maybe the lack of saying the quiet part quietly from the owners who were just like, no, we need to get as much money as we can. Maybe our goals are really just to break the union and then go from there. It bums me out. And it makes me kind of tune out in a lot of ways. I don't know what you feel. You have a different perspective. You don't get the luxury of tuning out and being like, what's going on in the world of competitive video games or whatever. <laughs> but what, what do you, how do you feel? How is this time, this lockout dragged along and dragged you down? Well, I would also just want to add um, to your praise of uh, the reporting at the athletic Evan Drellich's name. Cause he's done. Oh yes, of course. He's done a wonderful job as well. He's been on it. Um, I don't even know how long he's been on it. He's been on it for a long time, much longer than the lockout's even been going on. Uh, he was kind of foretelling us all what to expect, and he's been pretty spot on with all of that. And so um, read all of his work as well. And so we have a kind of a, a joke amongst um, some of the baseball writers at The Athletic that, like, the only the only baseball writer that's working right now is Evan. <laughs> Evan and Ken, uh, which is not true. We're all, we're all working very hard. But um, mm. <laughs> but we're not covering news the same way necessarily that, uh, that Evan and Ken and, and some of our national guys are, Jason as well. Um, because we don't have news to break because teams aren't talking to their players or their 40 man players. Um, and for, and, you know, teams aren't able to have any formal training and, uh, there's no spring training or major league spring training. And so, um, in terms of like, you know, my job, it's been a lot of looking ahead to the season that I, still hope happens and it will happen. I think I've, um, I think enough people have covered baseball and have lived through these labor, um, disputes, um, that they know there's an end to it. There is an end to this. It just is a matter of how, what the level of urgency is, um, 
to come to that end? And is the level of urgency to come to that end start of spring training? Apparently not, because um, that hadn't happened. Uh, is the urgency to try and start the season on time? Um, I think that's pretty much up in the air, and I'm not certain that there's any urgency to get the season started on time. Doesn't see, appear to be that, that to be the case. And just to um, kind of reference, um, like Ken and, and Evans um, reporting, or you know, I, I read something um, in one of their latest pieces saying something along the lines of like MLB trying to fight a five alarm fire with a garden hose kind of level of urgency, right? Like that's just, if, if it would be a disaster to have the season delayed, where's the urgency to try and make it so the season is not delayed? I don't think, I think the, the, the big takeaway, the thing that we can, the thing that we can learn from this, the thing that the owners are telling us without telling us is that the beginning of the regular season is, the beginning of the regular season in particular is meaningless to them. Mm-hmm. That poorly attended games in April don't matter. The TV checks come in all the same, but the la- the lack the lack of revenue from a, from an early season game is not a big deal. Uh, the the owners tell us these things in the way in the urgency in terms of ending this lockout and getting a deal done so that they can get their businesses back up and running. Businesses. Their, their, their real estate plays that are, uh, with <laughs> borrowing against debt. Uh, the other thing is that the, the things that the owners have been saying, Rob Manfred was out talking about how owning a baseball team is a really bad investment and like poor mouthing and turning his pockets inside out. Like these poor, won't someone think of these poor <laughs> owners? These, these guys are just in it for the love of the game. Like to me, that's one of those things that just makes me crazy when, when they're out there saying these things and, and, uh, and then we're supposed to believe it. That was, it's supposed to, he's saying it credulously, and we're supposed to be like, you know, I think these guys they they're, they're really they're really hurting. They they're the ones who are making all these taking all the risk on, and the players are just the players, and they get paid to play a game, um, which is garbage. So it's uh, I think that those those things are telling us the things that we've we've known all along, and the ta- like t- tanking. It's if there's not going to be anybody there anyway, the, the regular season games are not as important. Then why spend an extra dime on the players when maybe we can, we as a team can get ourselves in a position to be better down the road where we can get the money that really matters, which is the playoff money, the playoff stretch money, and then the playoff dollars that come. Uh, that's the money that makes the difference. That's the thing that the player, the owners want more than anything. They want more playoff games. The lockout's happening now because they needed to take away the lo- the leverage from the players who, if they were operating without a deal, and they decided they were going to strike in say August, like as they did in in 1994 then that's really really hits the owners hard and it's just um it's just really tiresome again and and whether or not you are uh as kind of blindly i will admit blindly pro labor or pro player in this case um the fans are the ones who get get the 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 raw end of the stick mm-hmm. fans just want to watch the game and 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 cheer for their team and cheer for the players that that they love and the cheers for the players that bring those teams and those colors and those memories to life without yeah. the players none of that stuff happens and if they start running scabs out there it's not it, it won't be the same and anyone who tells you that otherwise would be a fool but the the the, the fans get a raw deal so that ends up putting all this pressure on the players like they need to make a take us another substandard deal they need to lose a, even more of the pie that they've already lost so much of over the years uh just just to, in service of the fans which is not untrue but also 
the owners don't care about that. The owners don't care about the fans. Again, look how many teams are are running out. You know, bottom bottom basement basement bottom. I don't know. Got dog shit payrolls. <laughs> terrible teams collecting collecting draft picks in the hope that one day it works. And then if it doesn't, then well, we'll get a new GM and he'll have a different magical plan, and we'll try that one out again as well. So. It's just really uh, it's that that part of it is really disheartening, and there isn't that that urgency, and and maybe one day soon there will be. Um, again, if, if people start missing checks, or if if there are suddenly the real estate that you're investing in around your ballpark isn't worth anything because there's nobody coming in, well, then maybe we'll see some more action on this. But in the meantime, I hope that um, that we're uh, we are able to 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 get a deal that works for the players. I, I'll be honest. I'm not worried about the owners, right? The owners they make insane amounts of equity on the franchise just existing. That mm-hmm. that they're not. There's no deal that they're going to strike that's going to have them bleeding, bleeding money and 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 abandoning their teams and having it run and operated by the league or anything like that. There, that's not going to happen. So get a good deal done. Get one that ensures the integrity of the game, ensures the integrity of the deal, such that players aren't being manipulated, players aren't being effectively robbed in terms of their ability to maximize their earnings given the structure of the deals as they were previously structured but i don't know i'm already out over my skis i'm already saying things that i that i'm not confident of i'm already saying things that probably make me sound like an idiot and that we've barely been recording for not even 15 minutes so i've already failed my goal was to not do any of this and here we are so sorry what were you going to say Oh, I, I was um, just going to try and make you feel better, I guess, about what oh, you, you were? just said. <laughs> um, but also, I was, when you were, like, going on your spiel there, I was reminded, just to, like, further um, promote my colleagues, um, Britt Droley wrote something a couple weeks ago, so... Uh, the exact details of it, um, I can't quite remember, but her basic premise of this column was that, you know, MLB is kind of taking their fans for granted. And I think it's kind of what you were saying is that like, you know, we, we know there's evidence out there of MLB's fandom diminishing. It's obviously um, not connecting the same way with younger fans. Um, there's some would say kind of, I think, um, issues with MLB um, in terms of promoting stars. Uh, I think it could get better because there's a few obviously really exciting young players right now. But just when you look at the other leagues, NBA in particular, how they're able to market their stars, it's really not comparable to MLB. And you're seeing, I think, young young individuals um, are more inclined to cheer for players as opposed to teams. Um, I think it's like kind of a new phenomenon. So um, just a lot of things um, in, in, in about what you were saying and what she wrote about just like, yeah, the fans do lose out. And um, just taking the idea that your fans are always going to come back for complete granted. And I would say in particular, just because I'm connected to them, obviously I feel for Toronto Blue Jays fans who have missed out on a lot more than, you know, other other um, fans um, in other markets uh, just because of the team not being here um, and only getting really a, a handful of games to attend. And it was modest attendance and so not everyone could go or not. And some people weren't comfortable going at the point in which they were playing last year for, for various reasons. Um, and so I feel for Toronto fans who I'm sure would just love to look forward to a, a game in April, um, you know, when it's still feeling like winter here, but you have something to look forward to down 
going down to the Rogers Center. And so, um, you know, I, I definitely relate to that a little bit because I would I would love to. I, there's a lot of reasons I'd like to be in Florida right now um, because it would be much nicer weather. But, um, you know, I, I relate to just kind of, um, you know, wanting that return to normal and, and wanting it so that we were – we're not talking about this right now. We we're talking about actual baseball. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's let's transition a little bit from to something that you mentioned, which is the team, the Toronto Blue Jays, the exciting Toronto Blue Jays moving into mm-hmm. 2022. What do you think? This is something that, that you put in, in our little run sheet. Do you think that there might be any kind of like a cost? Is there any kind of are the Blue Jays going to be adversely affected, the product on the field, by a, an extended lockout? If the season starts later and later, in terms of missing time or missing development, do you think that has that could have a, a negative impact on the Blue Jays in 2022? Yeah, I think there's like a lot of little things that you could look at um, that could have um, detrimental impacts on on the Blue Jays or just players themselves. I mean, one kind of like interesting um, thing that I've been looking at is there's um, there seems to be sort of a group of prospects that might be in a state of limbo, for example, like Gabriel Moreno, who is um, a top 100 prospect, according to Keith Law and according to, I think, the industry as a whole. I think he was on most of the top 100 lists out Moreno's there. Moreno's top 10 on all, all the lists, yeah. I would say. Um, so, and he's on the 40 man roster, which means he's locked out right now, but he's, you know, he's not played a day in the major leagues yet. Um, and you know, in all reality, he'd probably be starting this season in AAA to just kind of get that final development time. He only spent like a a handful of games at the end of last season in AAA. He mostly played a double A, hit really well, was kind of tearing it up and then hurt his thumb, missed a, a couple months, came back right at the end of the year, um, looked great in the fall. Um, but of course, uh, he's impacted by the lockout because he can't work out at the facility. He can't, you know, talk to anyone on the Blue Jays staff. He can't get feedback from anyone involved with the Blue Jays. Um, he can't work out at that beautiful facility um, in in Dunedin. And he can't attend spring training because it's not happening for the major leagues right now. He also can't attend minor league spring training because he's locked out. Um, and if we get to a point where the lockout goes on and on and on and the AAA season begins... He won't be able to start the AAA season 
um, with the Buffalo Bisons because he'll be, um, you know, not be able to play. And so um, that's just one case. But if it got to that far, that of course he would lose weeks potentially of um, playing time in Triple A. Does that move his? Does that move his debut back? I mean, I don't think that he was realistically going to de- make his major league debut um, anywhere before the first half of the season. Um, you know, I think he was probably a back half. Um, type of prospect that might get a call up depending on, um, you know, different situations and, and whatnot, but you never know. But um, I think certainly like his development could be impacted. And we're also talking about a guy that lost a 2020 season completely. Uh, he spent some time at the, um, the alternate site, um, but he didn't get a full season. Um, so, you know, he's missed time in 2020. Um, he's missed time in 2021 with an injury. Now he's in the state of limbo. And so that's just one example. And I'm sure, uh, you could go on and on and and list, um, you know, a lot of different things, even like a guy like Pearson, like, you know, I think that we're not going to get, I I mean, I, I hope we're not going to get to a place where, um, we're really losing a lot of games, but you look at a a guy like Nate Pearson and all we say about Nate Pearson is we want him to pitch. You, You want him to get into games. And if, we're in a situation where it's dragging on and on and on and you can't send him to triple a like you can't send him anywhere to throw so obviously he'll be working out and he's getting ready and all those guys are getting ready but um you know the the longer this goes and and we're not there yet and like i mean there's a lot of time now between uh this day and and the start of the season and i think even if the season was delayed potentially you can still have a, a situation where you're getting 154 games in or 140 something games in so you know it's not talking about a huge amount of games lost but i mean these things can add up as well and so um you know those are just kind of two player examples um you know there's uh, there's other things i can think of um probably that this would have an impact and i think maybe to move the conversation forward um, it's just the, the complete frenzy that is going to be happening, um, when this lockout does end in terms of, there's still a lot of things, not just the Blue Jays have to do, but like every major league team has to do. And actually Jason and Ken, I think wrote a really good piece, um, a couple weeks ago, uh, or maybe it was like last week, but recently, and, and just talked about this sort of like this frenzy that is going to be happening when the lockout um, finally ends because, um, you know, more free agents got assigned. There's still some top level free agents that's got assigned. And then there's like a very, very, you know, crowded middle class of free agents that have to sign. I think the Blue Jays could still be kind of shopping in the the top end. I think they'll certainly be shopping in that mid tier as well for a few pieces. Um, there's a lot of guys that um, still need to have their contract situation sorted out for next year, like arbitration eligible guys. Um, that all has to get sorted out. Um there is, uh, I, I mean, there's a whole host of things. And then also you're just like rushing spring training and you're, you're doing all these other things, but, um, that's going to be a complete frenzy, but just to focus on like the free agent and the, uh, that kind of element. Um, I mean, the blue Jays still have quite a bit to get done to, um, put their team together. I mean, if we think back the last few times we talked, I mean, they lost a guy <laughs> by the name of Marcus Simeon, who was like a pretty impactful player mm. last year. Mm, they got to mm. replace him. No, you've made a, a a laundry list of great points. That that uh, the most the one that stuck with me is the idea of a frenzy, and I think that the the development impacts on players like 
you know, maybe Jordan Groshans, Gabriel Moreno, like that, that the handful of guys that are in that limbo, the 40 man yet to play in the big leagues. Kind of well, the Jordan would have, be fine because he's not on the 40 man. Who so he? Jordan Groshans is oh, not right. on the 40 man. Okay. So he'll be like in minor league spring training. Um, but <laughs> it just feels like he is. Cause it feels like he's been around forever. <laughs> but another guy who's like lost season, lost season, lost season. Yes, yeah. A couple of things that I think about. I think about. I think that the lost twenty twenty season the, and the the COVID impact on that season might help put some of these young players in a better position than maybe we think because they're used to doing stuff by themselves. Mm-hmm. They're used to doing like baseball adjacent activities. They're the technology that's available has has perhaps facilitated these these guys facilitated growth from these players that they wouldn't have been able to get previously wouldn't have been maybe even disciplined enough to get previously and then you know you think about players like Vladimir Guerrero Jr again who's uh, spent so much time in the gym and so much time you know working um on his conditioning something that he started uh that you know this most of this offseason as well as as a plan and as as a priority so hopefully some of the good habits that that helped a lot of these players get to where they were in 2021 um, will still be in place, and and they can they can retain those habits and retain those that the what it takes to work out on your own to do the things on your own away from the field, away from the team, away from the 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 guiding hand of of the the team's player development superstructure. Uh, the other thing I was thinking about is that ter- term frenzy that that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Not only will there be a huge frenzy of signing, not only will there be a huge frenzy of of sorting things out, transactions. Again, there could be uh, players who we would have thought uh, as trade candidates, uh, that list could either grow significantly or could shrink if there are new developments in the CBA that could uh, have players either looking to be becoming free agents sooner or later. Again, we, we don't know how that stuff's all going to shake out so that the whole makeup of the trade market could change significantly. But the other thing I was thinking about too is if we're playing, if we're in another condensed season where we're playing a shorter amount of games and a shorter amount of times and there's going to be that much more of a sprint to the finish maybe that's when you'll see you know teams take a bit more again and especially if we're operating under a, a new and fingers crossed improved collective bargaining agreement maybe there will be a lot more urgency we'll see a lot a lot of these guys come to the big leagues when they're in fact ready not when they're ready to be gamed not when there are those other kind of contractual um, impacts that teams have been thumbing their nose at the rules by saying they're not breaking them because it's very difficult to prove that they are breaking them, even though it is the rule. And and that by lying about it, they're saying they're, they are not breaking it, but really they are breaking the rules. Hopefully we can see a little bit more of like a, a quicker path to the big leagues for some of these top, top prospects The you know, like Gabriel Moreno and the Bobby Witt juniors and what's his name? The, the guy, the Orioles are going to screw up those guys like there's that much more opportunity to maybe see those those players make it make it up to the big leagues that much more quickly. But let's move on to what you to do the work that you were doing just now, which is to to talk about what is that that they need to do with the team. What are the holes that they need to plug? And I think mm-hmm. that you know the one that everyone knows and the one that I'm my mind goes to first is third base. That's yeah. the position that they are. They have the greatest opportunity for upgrade, I think, is first base. Mm-hmm. There's still obviously a lot of urgency to it to acquire a left-handed power bat uh, yeah. should, the, should the opportunity present itself. Uh, I think, again, I think that might be a little bit of an, uh, my oldness showing, like the, or the idea that we need to get a good lefty as opposed to just being like, get more good players. That yeah. seems to be more the Blue Jays' philosophy. They're not so worried about being too right-handed, too left-handed. They're just like, how many good guys can we get that do the things that we like and 
go about their business the way that we go like them to go about it. And we'll figure out the rest from there. Yeah. I mean, I agree that third base um, is the biggest place of opportunity. I mean, the team has kind of framed it around infielder. Um, but I think realistically there's more internal options to cover second base, probably better. Um, and just third base, you can just make up a lot of opportunity there. Uh, I think in an ideal world, you get a third baseman who's a switch hitter or a left-handed hitter, but um, that's being picky. Uh, although there is someone, his name just reminds, name rhymes with Bose Babirez. <laughs> in Cleveland. Um, but uh, obviously, and to your point, I mean, like, it's it's actually an interesting point of being like, I wonder if the trade sort of lists will change. I mean, I don't know that Jose Ramirez was really going to be traded anyway. I think that was kind of a, I mean, I think that Cleveland is always listening, um, but I don't know how realistic it was, uh, especially this offseason. Um, but and I think like a team like the A's, like they're probably going to stay on their path. Um, and so a guy named like uh, Matt Chapman, probably still going to be on the trade block. And a couple of weeks ago, Melissa and I, Melissa, one of our A's writers wrote a piece um, kind of trying to come up with a trade scenario um, with the Blue Jays and the A's. We did. I did a fake trade. Um, mm-hmm. My dream sidebar, my dream is like for one of my fake trades to like actually happen. I'd feel so smart. There is happened. no greater <laughs> feeling when you are in the business that we're in. When, when that happens, the one I, mm-hmm. I rant and rave about all the time, God, a million years ago, I was like, the Blue Jays should sign Fred Lewis. I wrote a big blog post, a blogspot.com <laughs> post. Like, Fred Lewis is an ideal fit for the Blue Jays. He's kind of out of, out of room in the Giants, and the Blue Jays should sign him, or should acquire him. And they did like a week and a half later, and I was like walking around like, I'm the fucking general manager. I'll be taking calls in my <laughs> office, and I'll see you all very soon. Yeah, I'm sure I've gotten a few lucky guesses in the past because I've written so many of those things and like, or I just write like a big list and then they sign like one of the guys on there. I'm like, look, he was on my list. Uh, look, I was, I knew what I was talking about. Genius. <laughs> but, but I feel like the trade, like the high, hypothetical trade is like mm-hmm. even more niche because you're like coming up with the actual trade. I mean, I'd be happy if they, like one of the names was mentioned in um or one of the names that was included um in a real trade that i had mentioned in my fake trade that would be a mm-hmm. thrill um that someone but, that someone in the front office is like looking at it <laughs> being like caitlin's right this is the this is the, the the one we need to pull the trigger on more spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, let, let me let me interrupt it and throw something out at you. Another an element that we haven't that that's 
kind of, again, a variable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reading through some of Ken's column, uh, most recent column about things that the players need and want. One of the things that Ken Rosenthal mentioned uh, was the idea of the salary floor. So in in the column, he talks about how the players are reluctant to go after like uh, some, anything that's hard, right? They don't want to say we're going to have a hard floor because that's the invitation to bring in the hard cap. But I can't help but think about if there's a if there's a a hard floor in place or something of a salary floor that starts to be a little bit more enforced as opposed to just like the union gets mad and and, and says mean things about the Pirates or the Marlins. That I think is something that could really start to grease the wheels for a bunch of wild and wacky transactions. Where if there's a if there's a need for a team like the Pirates or like the Marlins or a team that's that's not ready to compete quite yet, but they need to up the salary, then you start to like bring all kinds of weird and wild guys. Like suddenly, Randall Gritchick is like the most valuable player in the American League because it's like he can get you there and he can play every day. You know, it's I, I it, that's couched in bashing Randall Gritchick, but like. He's an everyday player on a bad team and you are fine, right? Like, I'm not saying he's not an everyday player on a terrible team that's making that team actively worse, but like you run Gritchick out there, like that's an accomplished everyday big league outfielder at any of those three spots. He's not mm-hmm. an all-star. He, people don't like the amount of money he makes, but if you acquire Randall Gritchick, suddenly you're $10 million closer to that salary floor. And again, not a ton of money, but it just, there's so many different possibilities and machinations that could come depending on where the CBA lands and, and, if I if perversely there, that's something, an interesting thing to kind of like look forward to and wonder about where suddenly it, you see that in, the, in some of the other, the more capped sports where like this kind of quote unquote dead money starts moving around. And, and we've seen it in baseball. The, the Dodgers have done it. They did it recently with like, um, with Matt Kemp a few years ago, but more moves like that do, do open up opportunities for, for players to move and for teams to kind of get creative and, and look for ways to make their team better. Um, you know, on the sly or at the expense of somebody who's just trying to spend money because otherwise they're in big trouble. That's uh, that's funny. I've never thought about that, but that's uh, that is funny to think about about like just how um that would change the landscape of transactions and and how <laughs> it would suddenly kind of flip the idea of trades, right? Like. The thing um, I just thought about is like it's the the emotional homecoming of Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera going back to the Marlins, <laughs> single handedly getting them up over the salary floor. The prodigal son returns. Don't ask any more questions about anything else. <laughs> um, okay, so let me ask you. Um, we um, talked a little bit about you know the opportunity um, for the Blue Jays to fill in at third base. Um, is there anyone that you like for that? Is there anyone as a name that sticks out for you that you, you like? Well, the one that everyone obviously is hung up on myself included is Jose Ramirez. He's almost too perfect a fit in terms (laughs) of the things that he does well. Um, full stop. The things that he does well are exactly the things that a, the team needs and b the team values, right? He's like a switch hitting, Better defending Bo Bichette in a lot of ways. He runs the bases. He, he, you know, he, he runs the bases A aggressively, B very well, steals bases, gets on base, switch hits, plays every day, is dirty and grimy to look at. It's all delightful. It all works. Uh, I think, uh, Kettle Marte is the other one mm-hmm. that, that folks talk about. And I don't know necessarily that he is like a third baseman, yeah. you know, per se, but I think that there's some thought that they can just, you know, you, he, again, good players that you can just kind of you can plug and play and figure out the rest later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Matt Chapman, uh, I like a lot. I mean, Matt Chapman's coming off a terrible year. Plays third base yeah. as well as anybody can. 
defensively, mm-hmm. you know, an absolute defensive uh, standout. Yeah, that would be would obviously look look good. You don't need him to be a star. You don't need him to be the best hitter on the team, um, like the A's have in the past. Uh, the other the other great third baseman I think the Blue Jays should acquire is um, what's his name? Oh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. <laughs> right, because they're acquiring Freddie Freeman at first base. You are absolutely correct. How did you know? <laughs> uh, I've see after a year of podcasting with you, I know your moves. <laughs> What about you? Do you have somebody in? See, sound like you've got your like secret GM uh, plan. You got somebody in in the cut here that you're gonna like drop on us, I've, and we're gonna blow our minds. I've already traded for Matt Chapman. I'm just waiting mm. for Blue Jays to do it. Um, What's well, interesting? I think you asked me this question when we did that like live room, and you like snuck on there as like Drew F. Um, even though I didn't see you, but um, like I think you asked me the question about, um, or maybe it was something like where the biggest opportunity was or like whether the Blue Jays could kind of get away with like, um, you know, signing a few of those like mid tier guys and just filling out their infield that way, or if they should like make, um, you know, a big move and get a third baseman. I guess I would ask you also like, like what, what about in the scenario where like they go out and they get like an elite reliever, like, like, or like, or scenario where they say, you know, we want to get another starter and we're going to like fill in, um, fill in the other um, roles with sort of these mid-tier guys. Like, is there any scenario where, because I, I think I've heard people say this and like, um, and I, certainly I've written enough and people leave comments and, um, you know, I do see a lot of people sort of hung up on the fact that the Blue Jays need need another a high-end reliever they need a like they're the you know the fans aren't satisfied enough i'm sort of of the mind that like i think you could get away with like someone who's more of like sort of another setup guy like um i think like a ryan tapera type would like probably fill that role but like obviously there's kenley jansen's out there uh, i mean like i don't know if you want to trade for um kimbrell but he's certainly available i mean where do you stand on like the bullpen just because that was um, such a like a sensitive place for a lot of fans, I think, right now. And so I think there's still a lot of fans that are sort of like the bullpen needs to be stronger just because of like the wounds that they um, they uh, acquired last year watching the Blue Chase bullpen. There's never enough, right? Mm-hmm. There are never enough good relievers that you can have back there. But the scary thing or the the the, the telling thing is the name. One of the names you mentioned, Ryan Tapera. Right? Ryan Tapera yeah. was a fine serviceable reliever for the Blue Jays. You know, throw throws decently hard, threw strikes reasonably well. Um, you know, missed a bat here or there. But Ryan Tapera was like in the in the wind. And then he comes back, you know, and then he ends up having a nice mm-hmm. season. And that's the thing about relievers, and if you ask me, is that I am not very much like a, you know, bronze age baseball watcher analyst type who's like, relievers are fungible. Right, like great relievers are are great, and acquiring mm-hmm. a great reliever is a, is a solid plan. But when you start to get into that gushy, squishy kind of nebulous middle, that's where it starts to get a little bit dicey, and it's it becomes you know you have to really rely on the systems that you have in place to either be able to pinpoint or figure out a guy that you think has the greatest chance of being for real or you know at, at the most recent level of of production if there's something about this guy that makes you think that he's legit and that other people are missing or that you're willing to take that extra bit of risk that he maybe is a bit of a flash in the pan or you do what the blue jays have done so well for so long and that's like you just make your own 
right? You find the yeah. guy that, that you, and you, uh, again, that you don't want to su- suggest that you're just taking the Pete Walker pixie dust and, dri- and, and, and sprinkling it on them. But again, you think of some of the guys that like that just came out of no, not came out of nowhere, but like come out and, and have enormous seasons. Uh, you know, I don't know if, well, like, is Paul Seawald like where was he a top prospect? I think did he come over in the in the Robinson Cano deal to, to Seattle? Ends up having a great year. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at like Aaron Loop was one of the best relievers <laughs> yeah. in baseball last year. You I think see the last you get, two years. The last two years, or or another way is like you know something that you we used to, you used to be able to do is like who is a busted like a busted prospect or a kind of post hype sleeper prospect for, starter from like a say like an American League East club. That used to be a thing. Like, oh, we couldn't hack it as a starter in the American League East. Like Mark Melanson, that was him. That's like an old version. But like, Or like even Kendall, Kendall Graveman was that. Exactly, for- yeah. Guys who, who had a bit of a tough ride and, and were maybe ill-suited. Or even like Ryan Barucki in a way can, is kind of that version mm-hmm. of that. So, But I think, again, with, with Ryan Barucki's and, and, and the Ryan Barucki's of the world, or even Jordan Romano. I mean, Jordan Romano was on Rule 5. He went on the Rule 5 and then got sent back. Right. Like it's just, it's a, it's a really, it is more art than science and it looks great when you get it right. And, but when the, the Liam Hendricks is of the world, like I can't believe the Blue Jays let the let Liam Hendricks go. It's like, that's the name of the game. So <laughs> yeah, the law, that's a long way of answering. Like, unless you are getting a truly elite guy and even, a, you know, Craig Kimbrell's as good as they get, but like he's a wild card at, at, at times. You, yeah. he, he was as good as can be and then suddenly isn't. And mm-hmm. is it is it health? Is it command? Is it comfort? Is it knowing his role? Is it not knowing his role? There are just a lot of questions that you need to ask yourself. So, you know, if you're, you know, Kenley Jansen is is a, is a popular name. Kenley Jansen seems like he's definitely reinvented himself and not sort of the same guy that he used to be. There's a lot of risk there again because he's 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 just not the same player, and you're not acquiring the guy that was the best reliever in baseball for that many years, but. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with bolstering your your bullpen at, at every opportunity, bringing in as many big arm goons as you as you can fo- possibly find, and just keep having a, the next man up be another really uh, really good or interesting player. But I I do think the Blue Jays are very con- uh, well. Again, I don't know anything, but I think that they're they're content to try to mostly grow their own, or think that they're hopefully they're going to uh, identify that that. Um, diamond in the rough and then uh, and then uh, bring him in and, and polish him right up yeah and to your point about you know growing their own i i do think that and this maybe could weave into the conversation of like a starter and do they need to go out and get another starter is like they do have some guys that they maybe need to make a decision on in terms of like um are they a starter or are they a reliever um like we saw a few years ago they made that decision with Baraki. like you know he was having he had that great year in, I guess, 2018 when he debuted and then, you know, had that injury trouble. They sort of just decided this is going to be, he's going to be a one inning guy for us. Um, and, you know, just to some extent it's worked out for them and there's probably some things he can work on, but you can see the potential there. Um, and I, you know, there, I wonder there's, I mean, I think Nate Pearson, and we've talked about this, so we don't need to get into Nate Pearson. Um, but certainly there's potential that he could be a, a reliever or some sort of like hybrid guy this year, but even like names like, like Thomas Hatch, like he totally kind of slipped through the cracks last year um, because of injury and, and various things. And we saw him make a couple of spot starts um, here and there. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that has really liked internally, um, kind of one of those like, you know, s- sneaky guys that um, 
you know, throws the ball really well, doesn't have, you know, huge velocity necessarily, but, um, you know, has kind of that feel and finesse for pitching. Um, but you know, are they, are they going to have to come up with a plan for him? Because he could be starting depth, but they, they've got some younger guys that are coming up now too, that could potentially be that starting depth that you want to see if, like that Bowden Francis is a name that was added to the 40 men. Zach Logue's a guy on the 40 men uh, as well. And like, they're kind of pushing up on that um, on those guys that are above them, like the Thomas Hatch and the Anthony Kays of the world. And I think the Blue Jays are going to be in a situation where like, on the one hand, you do want a lot of starting depth um, because injuries happen. But on the other hand, like, if these guys can be useful arms for you and there's, um, you know, is there a chance that they could pitch in your bullpen and be really good? Like, is it time to start to consider to convert those guys? It's, it's a really interesting question. And it also has like that third dimension of like the Blue Jays are trying to win the World Series. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to think we have player development running in one track, but also like the success of the big league club is almost always going to kind of over over supersede that. And mm-hmm. if it's we Thomas Hatch could be a good league average starter if we give him enough rope. But also if we push Thomas Hatch into this other lane, there's a chance that he could help us win the World Series because yeah. there are guys that like him who if if you if maybe they're able to go to the bullpen they they change a lot of things that, that they they do things they wouldn't have ordinarily done they're able yeah. to air it out they're able to l- cut down on pitches and they 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 discover something about themselves that makes them uh, something that they never would have been when they're out there looking to pitch five six innings or four or five innings in these days but. Yeah, and and to your point about giving guys rope, I guess I also don't see much opportunity for the Blue Jays to do that much anymore. I mean, like, um, there's going to be cases like there's an Alec Manoa is going to come on the scene and he's going to be a top prospect, and you're just going to let him run. And he took that opportunity and ran with it, and he was excellent. He's, uh, um, you know, you couldn't really ask for anything more, and you're going to throw him back in the rotation and see what he can do in his second year. But like in terms of like th- these Blue Jays are not like the 2019 Blue Jays where they're going to be able to use 20 different starting pitchers um in a season because they just have guys and they can throw them and see what they like they have a rotation they have a rotation that's really really good it could be one of the best rotations in the American League and it's really not even complete yet I think the fifth starter is kind of like a big question mark I think you could fill it in with like a Ross Stripling is probably like the leading internal candidate or you can have it filled in by some kind of combination of like a Ross Stripling and like maybe a Nate Pearson making a start here and there or whatever it may be um or you can bring someone in, like you can sign someone. There's still guys out there they could sign, like they could sign Tyler Anderson um, or Kikuchi or uh, someone like that, and bring them. And that's their fifth starter. And and like your 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 starting cast is kind of built around. And this is how you want to build a starting rotation is like built around guys that are like known to go out there and pitch. Like I mean, obviously injuries are fluke, and sometimes they happen. But like Barrios is like as reliable as they come. You know, Alec Manoa looks like he's not really dealt with anything and he was pitching every um, five days or pretty much um, Kevin Gosman is coming off like seasons where he's been pitching a lot. Like um, Kevin Gosman plays for the blue Jays. <laughs> yeah. Remember? Um, right. <laughs> so, and like Hanjin Ryu, I mean, obviously there's been injuries in his past, but for the most part, he's been pretty reliable as a blue Jay in terms of like making his starts. And so, um, I just don't see a lot of opportunity for the Blue Jays to have like these three or four guys that are like, you still got to see if they can, they can be major league pitchers. And I think, you know, what I was saying earlier, like if you have a spot start here or there, like maybe you want to give it to a guy like Zach Logue or like Bowden Francis, cause maybe they've kind of climbed up the prospect charts and you want to see what they can do because, um, you know, the guys like Thomas Hatch has kind of fallen down a little bit. I don't know. But that, I think that, that question becomes 
the one that gets asked the most is, is you said, because you want to see what they can do. But is seeing what they can do going to be a priority for the 2020 Blue Jays, which you sort of suggested? And, and I think that it's not, you know, like, given the division, given the strength of the, of the Rays, given the, the Red Sox-ness of the Red Sox and the, and the, you know, the Yankees' high floor, you don't have starts to waste. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing about that is that Hyunjin Ryu really struggled down the stretch and yeah. was battling injury and battling, you know, mystery phantom injuries uh, to, to uh, it's almost tragic to say, but to like treat him as a sure thing going into 2022 is, would be a risk. And even Alec Manoa, right? Alec Manoa was amazing. Alec Manoa's vibes are off the chart. We love Alec Manoa because you'd be crazy not to. Um, but there were a lot of starts where he battled and he battled effectively in a way that makes me believe in him. But a lot of those battling starts could easily have gone sideways. Um, so I don't think that you, you would be again, a little bit on the reckless side. If you're going in and penciling him in for 30 starts with only a handful of blowups here or there, I think that there is still a, a, a significant potential that, that he could falter because he's mm-hmm. a human being and, and development is nonlinear. And it's going to be a different time around. Going through the league a second time, people are going to get to get to know uh, who he is. They've seen his two seamer. They've seen you know the big curveball and stuff like that. So we'll really have to see um, you know if he can continue to build or maintain. Again, just because he was that good last year doesn't mean that's that's a constant for yeah. him for the rest of his career. So there are those question marks. And and again, it really becomes about what is going to help us get to and win the World Series if you're the 2022 Blue Jays. And if you are like, we need a start and Zach Logue is going to give us a chance to win tonight and then maybe in six days from now, then that's where that's I think where that's where my mind in terms of the mathematics have to be. And again, when you take a player like Thomas Hatch and you're trying to evaluate his ceiling and and be realistic about who he is and what he can be. Does he help our, does he help the 2022 23 2023 Blue Jays more in the bullpen uh, or or as a starter and while we want to make sure he's able to live his best life and have his best career at some point we need to we as the Blue Jays need to make a decision that's going to going to kind of put him in a lane hopefully heading towards on-field success so there are all all, all kinds of those those question marks and uh, and having depth is, is never a bad thing but Sometimes you do have to make, at some point you got to make decisions. You can only kick the can down the road and be like the Nate Pearson thing too, right? Give him every opportunity to, to prove that he can be a starter. But at some point you do have to make a decision and say, what's best for him? What's best for us? And uh, let's, let's, you know, make a decision, own it, and then move on. Yes. Well, I don't know what you were going to say, but no, I was nothing. Say- I was taking a large breath. Okay. Well, I was going to say maybe to like wrap up this discussion. I don't know where we'll go next, but, um, to me, like, I would say what the Blue Jays will do coming out of the offseason, if I had to, like, predict, like, make a prediction, I think their moves would be trade for that infield position. I think it's sign another starter because everything that you just said, like, I agree with. And, like, as much as I think, like, they have built a pretty solid four, if you look at the names on paper, like – yeah, you do have to consider that, like, Ryu might not be a sure thing. Alec Manoa might hit a sophomore slump or whatever it may be. And so these things can happen. I I think they I, – and, and then, again, like, the depth, like, it's there, but I'm not, like, entirely confident um, that there's enough of it. I think they need to sign another starter. And then I think they're going to bring in probably at least one or not two more relievers, but I think they're going to be from that, like, to your point, like, that, like, kind of mid – 
class of relievers that you just kind of hope you can bet on with the, which the Blue Jays have done to great success in the past with some guys, um, you know, find a guy where he was really doing something really like, and you kind of want to say, we can take this guy and um, we can tell him to throw this pitch more and it's going to be successful for him or whatever. So find some sort of like, not necessarily diamonds in the rough, but I mean, like, I don't know that they have to shop at the, the top, um, uh, the top tier of that relief class. Um, I think they could probably um, fit someone in that is more um, that sort of like guy that could fit into like a six or seventh inning role. Um, and uh, yeah. And then to your question for like getting that left-handed bat in the lineup. I mean, I think that's also something where they could just see what's out there. There's going to be a lot of guys looking for jobs. Um, it's hard to think exactly of like, who might fit that role. I mean, Kyle Schwarber is a name that's been mentioned. Um, uh, when the Yankees decide that they need to move on from Joey Gallo, oh, okay. in Toronto, it would be a nice <laughs> soft landing spot. I'm never going to let it go. I, I'm never going to let it go. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we want to talk real quick. We talked a little bit about some of these things. Uh, a baseball writer who is working is, of course, Keith, Keith Law, who you mentioned mm-hmm. off the top. Uh, Keith has released his top 100 prospects, which features a couple of Blue Jays quite prominently, four Blue Jays in the top 100, including Gabriel Mourinho um, in the uh, number six spot. So, uh, you know, I think that it's it, it bodes well, again, if you are a believer in the Blue Jays organization, which I think if you're listening to this, you are going to be, that they are uh, have built up a pretty admirable and, and, and amount of prospect capital again, given all the recent uh, uh, graduations. Again, graduated to MVP, you know, caliber guys who got MVP votes, guys who got guys who got uh, played in the All Star game. Like that's it doesn't always happen so quickly. But the Blue Jays seem like they're in pretty good in pretty good shape, and uh, you know. Some of them are close to the big leagues, and some of them are still are still quite a bit of ways away. So even if there isn't real spring training this year, it's not bad to think uh, that the Blue Jays' farm system is uh, is still still in good shape. Yeah, Keith had um, the Blue Jays' um, system as a whole at number five on his list, which is pretty mm-hmm. high. I think he had them a little bit higher than some other people. Um, and, um, you know, he mentions really the the strength of their infield class. That's, I mean, that's obvious if you just look, you just look at who they have in their system. And it's like half of them are infielders. So you can kind of get the sense that the Blue Jays have a really good um, infield class. Um, I think Cleveland is the only one out there that might have a bit more depth in the infield, um, mm-hmm. a bit more or sort of equal. And, and, and Keith made the point, too, that, like, I think one thing that I've been curious about um, – is pitching in the system. You know, we don't, you don't hear about it as much. And obviously there was Pearson and, and Manoa and they were kind of like the next guys. And it's, um, you know, who are the next guys, right? Like who are the next? Um, and I think that class is maybe a, a year or two away, but I think there are some exciting arms. Um, hopefully um, in, in sometime in the future, we can get Keith on um, and a friend of the pod, Keith on, and he can talk a little bit more about like who he likes um, but I think he's still kind of big on like Eric Pardino. He's missed so much time, um, mm-hmm. but he still really likes him. Um, Gunnar Hoagland was the their top draft pick last year coming off Tommy John surgery. So obviously he'll be um, still re- rehabbing that, I think. Um, Ricky Tiedemann, I think is the name. Yeah, Ricky Tiedemann. Yeah. Uh, he's the first round pick. Or no, Gunnar Hoagland was the first round pick. Yeah, right? Gunnar Tiedemann, Tiedemann was, was like – 
was their second missed one. Yeah, he was their second big third round. Um, But he was a name also that uh, Joe Scafani mentioned to me, the Blue Jays um, uh, uh, farm director or or player development director um, mentioned to me as sort of like a a player to watch, I guess, this year. because uh, he apparently made a lot of big strides in instructs. So um, the one thing that I'd love to talk to Keith about, he, he mentions in his kind of uh, organizational rankings, he talks about the strength of the left hand uh, side of the infield prospects. And the thing that I'm always interested in is like, what makes a guy stand out? What's the, what, what is, what is a Miguel Geraldo versus a Leo Jimenez versus, you know, the Otto Lopez, who of course got a quick uh, cup of coffee at the big leagues. Um, last year, I believe last year, but like, um, you know, they're, they're not, they don't, they don't have like the, the, the skills that necessarily jump off the page. And I think as Blue Jays fans also, we've been spoiled, right? Watching Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And also Bo Bichette in the minor leagues, uh, you're spoiled, you know, but like, oh, he's 19 and he's destroying double A. <laughs> he has like a 1200 OPS. It's not normal. Uh, and, and we've all been uh, Vlad-pilled. And I don't think that's a bad thing, necessarily, because it was fun as hell. But also, uh, these are more normal prospects. So it'll be interesting to see what is it that, that, we, that a guy like Keith, who is a, a watching these players, and B, talking to, to people that he knows and trusts and about what they see. That would be really interesting. One more thing, and then we're going to get out of here yeah. uh, real quick. Uh, I added it to the list at the last second. So there was a report today. I think Jeff Passan. Oh. Passan? I do this every time. Passan. Passan uh, talked about the Juan Soto reportedly turned down a $350 million contract from the Washington mm-hmm. Nationals, which brings everyone's attention to uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is, of course, a, a similar age. A, a, it seems as though they're friends from that, that lovely YouTube video that came out when the Blue Jays and Nationals were, yeah, they were are mic'd friends. up. They're friends. They chill. They I have parties. And, Vlad's friends with everybody, it seems. He absolutely but, is. <laughs> but he he's definitely is. friends with um, Soto. That video, man, that, that video of him being mic'd up was so awesome um, because it showed him being like like the, the friends with everybody. And, mm-hmm. and I, I wrote about that, that on the newsletter back in the day where like he knew the Mariners' backup catcher. And, yeah. and he knew who he was, that he was from Venezuela. And Teoscar Hernandez didn't even know he spoke Spanish. Teoscar's <laughs> like, hey, what's up? And the guy's like, says like, you know, whatever, hola or something. He's like, oh, you speak Spanish. And then Vlad <laughs> gives him his bio and they go back to the, to the, uh, back to the, back to the, to the, to the dugout. And um, oh, I can't even remember his name now. His name has slipped my mind. He's talking to, he and Vlad, Vlad is asking him, he's the baby shark guy. Oh my God. But uh, he can't, uh, Vlad's like asking him for a signed jersey and stuff. And he, then the, the guy who, who uh, is, is in the clubhouse being like, he's a great player, but he's the nicest guy also, which is uh, uh, so weird to think about. But, but anyway, uh, what do we think? Oh, Geraldo Parra, excuse me. Uh, what do we think about Soto turning down this contract. Obviously, Juan Soto has the potential to be the first five, maybe the first five hundred million dollar baseball player. Um, given Wouldn't his that age, be, hmm? was that like was I don't know what the record is for like North American athlete, but I I saw that sort of tossed around too. That like his contract could be a record for like North American pro athlete contract. I don't know who what else? The who is. else would make that kind of money? Right, like Tatis, uh, Machado, like. Nobody yeah, in that Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. Well, Bryce, Bryce Harper's was was a little bit less, 
but more years, right? Then yeah, maybe then then Machado who. But yeah, you're, like, to your point, like baseball players generally are the ones making. Like basketball players make more per year now, but they mm-hmm. don't. They won't. No one's signing. Yeah, you know, anyone to like that. They kind don't of get term. the years. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but Juan Soto is one of the great players we've ever seen right again the the last season of this time the last year at this time they were all the ted williams comparisons based on his performance and and then he did nothing to other than had a slow first half where he was like a mortal like a human for a while and then he stopped doing that even though he was, there was nobody else around him when the nationals traded everybody away uh it's a really you know let me start. Let me let me say this. Do you think that Vlad and Juan Soto are comparable to that degree? That 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 whatever Juan Soto signs, Vlad will be close behind. Do you think that's true? I think that's. I think that you can definitely make a case for that. I mean, I think their bat profiles are similar, like in terms of what they can do and and what they can play. I mean, I don't know if Vlad takes a bit of a hit um, because of his position wise, like at first base and maybe there's like some limitations. Um, but I mean, Soto's like what corner outfielder. So he's a bad outfielder though. That's the thing to remember. Yeah, exactly. So to this, what I'm saying, like both of their bats kind of lead the way for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's interesting. Like, I don't think Bo is going to get that much money, but he is at least has the premier position. Um, behind him but i mean mm-hmm. i don't i don't think he's going to get um the same uh, in that he's going to be in that range mm-hmm. and i think his the timeline for him is going to be very similar to vlad I, I think the blue jays would be hard pressed to like sign vlad and then wait around forever to sign Bo. like i think those conversations have to be kind of happening mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're going to be signed on the same day but um when you're dealing with two players like them that are sort of the cornerstones of your team, but also like happen to be best friends and talk all the time, like you're going to kind of assume that (laughs) they're going to know what's going on with one another. So um, I think you have to kind of be careful, not careful, but like you have to kind of understand that um, those conversations are going to happen around a similar timeline or or that's the aim. Doesn't mean they're both going to sign. Maybe one wants to get to free agency, but anyway, back to your question. I mean, like, I haven't like looked into the numbers deeply, but I think like where Vlad, like if Vlad performs um, the way that he performed this year, every year until whenever he starts to decline, Mm -hmm. um, those are pretty similar numbers to Juan Soto. I mean, I think he was right up there with Juan Soto in terms of like top, um, top fan graphs war in terms of the entire league. I mean, Vlad was like first in the American league. Yeah, Juan, so Juan Soto finished second. really, really, really strong, right? Juan yeah. Soto had like a crazy second half, and I should I should uh, bite my tongue and apologize to Juan Soto, who um, is actually had quite a decent season in the outfield. I know that there were a lot of concerns again, very young player uh, who was playing left field uh, for Washington and and was not graded out, you know, by any of the advanced metrics as good, and the eye test was bad. But uh, had a ter- actually it seemed like he had by all advanced metrics had a, ter- a strong year um, in the outfield. Throws uh, you know whatever well enough. Like I would it looks maybe I would say his arm is a little bit below average. Just again from a tiny bit of eye test and a little bit of like looking at some of the sites. But yeah. he's a ridiculous ridiculous hitter. Everything that he does, everything that Vlad does, uh, um, 
just as well, if not maybe a little bit better in some ways. He walks well, a little yeah, bit more. Well, yeah, I think he walks more, but Vlad hits more home runs. Um, Vlad yeah. hits for more power. Um, there's yeah. a bit of a trade-off there. But, yeah, mm. if you look at their, like, Fangraphs war, like, um, I mean, Vlad was um, 6.7, and um, Juan Soto was 6.6, so basically the same. And um, to your point, obviously, like, Soto's numbers were picked up in the second half. So if he had kind of performed um, the way he performed in the second half that he did in the first half, obviously his numbers would be a lot higher. And obviously Vlad had some dips too, but like, <laughs> yeah, still pretty good, but it, pretty it's good. really interesting to see. And again, there's so much depends as we've discussed a bunch of times. There's so much depends on what the CBA looks like when it comes out, um, which we're still waiting for. We're still waiting for the CBA. We're still hoping that, the the owners are going to get start to get wet feet and and will start to make some concessions and start to really try to make a concerted effort to get a deal done to get a deal that doesn't you know that 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 recognizes that to the point that you made on behalf of a Brit that the fans don't take the fans for granted and I know that the owners feels like they're really far away from the players or the fans like a given fan doesn't necessarily contribute that much to the owner's coffers anymore because it's tv deals and and this and mm-hmm. the real estate garbage and stuff like that but for them to overlook the fact that that a game that's with an aging fan base as it as it exists tv as a bit of a dying slumping medium in terms of broadcast uh, and people signing up for cable uh, there is a lot to lose if they're not smart and don't recognize that getting it back up, getting back on the field is the only right thing to do. So, Caitlin, what else? What do you got for the people? Anything coming up that you want to talk about? I, maybe that's I'm, I'm pushing my luck here by by <laughs> suggesting that you have a plan for what's going on these days. But I would say that I've like had a plan for most of this. Um, off season in terms mm. of like I put together sort of a list of like story ideas and be like, well, we're gonna have to worry about a lockout. So like, here's a bunch of story ideas I can still do. Uh, getting uh, pretty close to the bottom of that list at this point. <laughs> 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 I mean, like I, I can, you know, but uh, yeah, there's stuff to look forward to. Um, a few things. I mean, I just worked on a couple days ago, which is sort of content that is evergreen for now. Is just like a kind of rundown of the Blue Jays roster, a kind of comment on everybody on the 40-man roster right now, which is at 38 players. So you can look at that. Key's um, top Blue Jays prospects for the Blue Jays list just came out this week. So if you haven't seen that, he has the detailed list of the top 20. Um, And then we have some cool stuff coming up next week um, in terms of like some stories about the future of baseball. It's going to be like a site-wide kind of um, theme. So, uh, or baseball site theme. Um, and yeah, just like more stuff for me that will probably be looking at like uh, the Blue Jays roster and like, you know, answering some questions about uh, what they can do with the current roster they have and, and where. How they can acquire Joey Gallo. Mm-hmm. What will it take to free Shohei Otani from the Angels? Those are Did the you, important things. Oh, I should mention this. I don't know if you saw this the other day that we did that uh, mock MLB mega draft. And I just want to I just want to brag on here that my team finished second. So it went to like a fan vote, like who built oh. who built like the best team. And according to all the votes, I 
built the second best team, Steven Nesbitt. I knew it. I knew he his was going to be and number one. And I think that he just won because he got Steve Cohen and everyone was like, you got the owner that's going to spend all the money. I mean, he did well. I think I built a really good team. Um, obviously, I was very... Um, I was you were very, gigantic very, homer. <laughs> I was gigantic. I did it. I was only trying to be a homer in terms of getting Toronto. Picking Toronto, um, yeah. And then um, owner, I was sort of just trying to pick someone who was like, who did you fine. get? The owner of the Giants. Oh right, yeah. You could do a lot worse. Exactly. You and so then I got the to Camden Yards. Camden Yards. Oh yeah, yeah. You did fine. You did great. And then I got Bo Bichette yeah. because I kind of left player. Later, because there's, Mm -hmm. you know, like a supply and demand there. And so there's lots of players. Um, And he was just available. So I was like, well, he's a good player to build around. And um, what else was there? Pitcher. um, I got, oh, my gosh, why is his name slipping me? Um, The pitcher that's not Max Freed in uh, Atlanta, the other young guy. Ian Anderson? Yes, Ian Anderson. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. I had it. I wanted Max Freed, but... uh, he no was doubt. picked like a few, a few before me. Like he was kind of like the next guy, like, Oh, he's available. I'm going to get him. And then like a few before me, he was taken. Um, you, Oh, and you, GM, um, where I picked uh, uh, Kim Ng from mm, Miami. That's and a good the manager was, uh, it doesn't even matter. Whatever answer you say, I don't care. Derek Shelton. <laughs> Who? Derek Shelton. Who is he? Is he the he's Tigers the, manager? No, no, Mariners. no, that's a uh, pirates manager. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, whatever. But he was with Toronto for a while. He was with Tampa was for a long time. Oh, so. okay. I would say that, that that story is worth reading for, obviously, the strong side that you picked, but also mm-hmm. for when Andy McCullough described Levi Weaver's team as an inscrutable art project, which <laughs> absolutely made my day when I read it. I was laughing pretty hard at that. So go check that out. Check out all the stuff that Caitlin's read. Hop into your chats if you got one of those. If you have ideas, questions, hit her up. Give Caitlin some content. She will give yeah. her some ideas. She will give you the content. And again, make sure you subscribe to the show. We're glad to be back. We'll be back at it sooner rather than later. Before you even know it, we'll be back talking, hopefully, about breaking down the new another job I'm completely ill-suited for. Is we'll be digging into the CBA. That's my that's my my goal that I can come and embarrass myself as we try to figure that part out. But until then, her name is Caitlin. My name is Drew. We will talk to you next time on Spinner.